Pilar, and this is Points on the Board. And I'm joined every week by my co-host and fellow Latino, Eddie Aparicio. Before we get going, my friends, do not forget, you can go to grumblingsmedia.com to check out Points on the Board podcast, our political podcast, Fired Up, our libertarian podcast, Free for All, and our interview series, Big Questions with Big John, all at grumblingsmedia.com. If you're a social media uh, junkie, you can check us out on YouTube and Rumble, as well as the traditional podcast, Apple, Google, Spotify, and Pandora. And I also want to make note of the fact that we released our first pop culture podcast covering the entertainment business, not from a conservative point of view, but from a point of view where we analyze, look at the data, and explain to you. So it tends to be a conservative view because liberals love their emotions, like my good friend, Eddie. Before I you, get to you, Eddie, you can, you can check us out on the traditional spots of Apple, Google, Spotify, and Pandora. Eddie, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing great, Guillermo. How are you doing, man? Good to see you again. I'm hanging in there as always, always hanging. It's been stressful because I tell you, my first startup, I was in my late 20s and I was working with 20 yeah. year olds. And what was so funny because of my background, military, all that, I would out, 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 out await them. You know, when you're working two, three, they'd be, you know, yeah. but they, they kept me going. They kept yeah. me young. So now with this new venture, it's a couple of old men and we're recruiting old men and I'm realizing there's not enough hours in the day before my body runs out of gas. You know, I'm doing this podcast. I'm doing the Fired Up podcast. Uh, I'm doing the Red White uh, 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 what the hell? <laughs> red, white, and blue. Red, white, and, blue. Uh, red, yeah. white, and rude. Red, white, and rude red. podcast. <laughs> so so you've like seen it. my research notes. Uh, uh, so it takes me time to do all that. You know, I once sure. heard Jim Rome and Hacksaw. They were two big names here at 690 before Jim Rome went bigger going national. And I remember people who work with them talking at times about how four to six hours of research just to do a show, you know, uh, and, and I get that because I'll take an hour of research uh, easily an hour and a half to do the notes that we do because, you know, anybody can come here and gab and talk garbage and give their opinion, but everybody right. has an opinion, you know, it's giving right. some information they may not have heard of. So, for example, on our, our Red, White and Rude podcast, we're talking about uh, rest in peace, Matthew Perry, a.k.a. Chandler being aka friends, you know, and uh, yep. during my research, I had no idea he had been in rehab 15 times. Oh my gosh, poor guy! But think, but think mm -hmm. about it, Eddie. When you and I grew up, you know, we didn't do something our parents they sat there, they went like this with the thumb and they grabbed our, 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 our flabby part of the elbow. Wait till we get home. <laughs> and we were angels. Or the yeah? ear. It was for me, it was the ear. They pulled Yeah, there ears. you go. <laughs> and the point being is we were brought up with no give, meaning there was right and wrong in our household. And uh I think Americans, especially rich Americans, they don't have that. They had no uh, if I was a, an alcoholic or a junkie as bad as you see in TV and the movies, throw me in prison because right. that's cold turkey. I will feel miserable for two weeks or whatever. Then I'm done. I mean, 15 times of rehab, it's because he left. He quit. So so he, he went to rehab 15 times but quit 14. 
Right. That's what it boils down to. And that's a weak willed yeah. person. And I'm not knocking Matthew Perry. I'm saying that's American uh, 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 spine that we have. That, that, that's what we have as our American backbone. And it's so weak. It's why our, I believe our country's uh, descending into some bad juju. Anyway, I don't want to bring you down, Eddie. What have you been up to? You know, uh, just uh, recovering from uh, Thanksgiving. How, uh, happy Thanksgiving. We hope you had a good one. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, happy Thanksgiving. Yes, you know, like, like we all do, we uh, overeat during the times. We overindulge, whether it be alcohol, food, desserts, whatever, right? We overindulge. Right. And uh, I, I can tell you, you know, the, the 20-something pounds that I lost, I gained back maybe like five <laughs> or six, right? Easily in two days. And I'm still kind of on that uh, wagon. I'm trying to get back to my working out like you're doing. And uh, but it was a good good Thanksgiving spent with my sister up at a, uh, near Jackson, California, which is, you know, about an hour and 35, 40 minutes away from Pleasanton, where, which is where I live. Right. So it was right. nice. We were about seven or eight of us got together and hung out and watched movies and, you know, and talk. It was cool. So we had a good That's time. That's what How we did. You? What did you, what did you... We same uh thing? same thing and uh, 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 uh I think my wife got uh, 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 I think I made her sad because our dog passed away I told you a, a couple of weeks ago now. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry about you lost me. Uh, thank you. But I, and I was hoping he'd make it to Thanksgiving. Every Thanksgiving, oh, I spoil the dogs, yeah. well, you know, because I'm yeah, cooking. Yeah. You know, it's like slop, 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 a little yeah, drop here, a little drop there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I got news for yeah. you, Eddie. What's right that? now, right now, after we do our show, I've got one more thing to do. Chop up culantro, not cilantro, culantro, and put that in with all the meat I just peeled off the bones earlier today into my sancocho, my Spanish No, it's already nice. made. It's just that's the final set. It takes me a couple of days because it's an all day process to make that. And I don't have all day. So I do it in, in a couple of days. I do the stock because I do stock. I do the stock, oh. you know, with the, with the carcass, you know, the veggies, yeah. and I drain it. So that's the first day. Then the second day, uh, I actually do everything with the cooking. That's where I'm at right now. Anyway, nice. I will actually put a sancocho recipe down in the notes for you people. It is a wonderful Latino dish. And I say Latino because Eddie's country, El Salvador, has it. Guatemala has it. Costa Rica has it. Uh, Puerto Rico has it. We all have it but we use our own vegetables native to the area we live. I've never looked it up, Eddie, but I suspect this is a dish that was brought over by the Spaniards. You know, oh. Because you can't have the same dish in so many countries with the change being just the local vegetables you put in. Somebody from the outside right. had to bring the main portion of that dish to each of those countries, and everybody jazz it up. All right, my friends, let's get down to it. We're going to have another great show. We're going to start out with our NFL power rankings from there. We're going to get into... Deion Sanders, head coach of the Colorado Buffaloes. How did his year go? From there, we get into Frank Reich has been fired by a moron. I'm sorry, by a billionaire owner. Then we get into Eddie's favorite segment, NBA News and Notes. And hopefully he can give us an update on Victor Wimbayama in Chet 4. And then we got our quick hits. And we're going to talk about Caleb Williams, James Harden, Teresa Thompson. And Eddie's going to give us his fantasy football waiver wire picks. And then we will close it out and hopefully tease you with something good for the next show. Eddie, my man, let's get to it. This is Del Pilar's Diatribe, my NFL Power Rankings Week 13. You have less than a minute to give me your take, and then I'll give you my take. At number one, the Philadelphia Eagles. What's your take? Hey, Philadelphia is showing they're the most dominant team right now. Uh, they have a 10-1 schedule. They played some good teams, and uh, they definitely deserve to be the, in the top spot. 
They, I can't argue. Look, the Eagles don't look invincible. Everybody says yes, they, they have weak spots, and that's true. But here's what I learned uh, 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 in the military. And I learned this specifically in a course I took. And uh, it's, I don't care how bad we're losing. That's just a damn obstacle. And we're going to overcome it. It doesn't matter how much they're losing by. Jalen Hurts has his mentality. We're going to win. Period. Yeah. And that's yeah. the mentality the Jaguars lack. That's the mentality the Bills and other teams lack. And that's why I ultimately had them number one. I don't care how they look. They are 10 and one because they willed themselves to victory because they are mentally tougher than, than yeah. most of the teams they play. All righty. And number two, I have a, I never heard of this team. The 49ers, the San Francisco 49ers. Oh, I'm sorry. Real quick, Eddie. Uh, the Eagles, they beat the Buffalo Bills in a bomb burner, 37 to 34. There were no rest with bad calls in that game. So that was a full gratuitous win for the Eagles. At number two, San Francisco, they are seven and three. They, oh, they destroyed the Seattle Seahawks. Oh, I'm sorry. Eight and three, eight and three, eight and three. They destroyed the Seattle Seahawks 31 to three. Your take. Hey, you know, in my opinion, I mean, we're going to find out this weekend who's the better team, at least just for that one, one week, because Philadelphia and the Niners are clashing uh, this week. So we're going to find out in the number one and number two teams face off with each other this week. And it's the marquee matchup of the, of the of the season. So in my opinion, you know, personnel by personnel, the, 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 the Niners are a better team, you know, I across agree. the board. But. You know the, the 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 Eagles are very good in the trenches. Their very their offensive line is the best in the in the NFL, and their defensive line is also one of the best in the NFL. And that's where I think a lot of the battles are won. So it's going to be a test of wills for this weekend. Both teams are going to really want to show that they are the the dominant team, and so it's going to be a grind fest. It's going to be a slug fest. And I'm looking forward to the game. So yes, the Niners definitely I think are number two for sure. But it's we'll find out. They could be moving up to number one next week if they beat the the Eagles. I agree. I agree. Look, the Niners are, to me, the best team in the NFL. However, I don't know if they had that we're going to win at any cost. They lose a couple of players, and that's when I question them because they're like a machine. But you put one little uh, piece out, and, 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 and it, what's, it, what's it called when you get all the gears all tangled up? It, it, you know. And I, I have to see that. And you're right. This game will help dictate if they have the will to defeat a team out there. So we'll see. All right. At. Number three, our favorite, the Kansas City Chiefs. Eight and three, they beat up on the Las Vegas Raiders, 31 to 17. Eddie, the top three teams really haven't changed too much. And all three of them literally destroyed their opponents this week. As I said, the Kansas City Chiefs did. Uh, They may be peaking, starting to peak at the right time. Who knows? But what's your take on Kansas City? And then answer that question. Hey, they're they're my second favorite team, so I'm I'm kind of homer with with them anyway, you know. And and of course, you know the only the only issue with these guys is that they don't have a very reliable wide receiver. Rasheed Rice could be their most valuable receiver right now, and he's a rookie. So you know, uh, it, it, it goes by Travis Kelsey and, and and Patrick Mahomes. If if either one of those two guys are off, they're going to struggle. Luckily, though. The Chiefs have a really good defense, probably the best defense they've had since Patrick Mahomes took over from Alex Smith a few years ago. So that's what that's the thing that's keeping them in games is that their defense is better than people think. Right. You know, at the end of the day, how Patrick Mahomes goes is how the Chiefs go. Uh, However, he can no longer win the game on his own, not because he can't do it, but he can't count on those receivers. As I said last week, 26 drops. uh, The rookie finally got more playing time, as you said, Rasheed Rice, eight for 107. Uh, yards, 107 yards, one TD on 10 targets, whereas Marcus Valdez-Scantling 
only saw one target. Hey, look, the Chiefs are not there that right now the Chiefs are the kind of like the gladiator times, the guys on top, the veterans, the ones who everybody wants to knock off. The Eagles may be ranked number one, but the Chiefs are still reigning Super Bowl champs. You know? Right. All right. Number four. The Baltimore Ravens, who came in and thumped the San Diego Chargers 20 to 10. They are nine and three. They face the hapless Chargers. What's your take? You know, the Ravens actually, surprisingly, I think I probably have, I think they actually are the number one rated defense in the NFL. And and, and that's the reason why they're this good. They're they're the top uh, seed in the AFC. And I think it's because their defense is actually carrying that team. You know, Lamar Jackson has been banged up. He hasn't been the same uh, as he was in the last couple seasons. He's definitely not running as much. He's definitely trying to be more of a pocket passer. But losing Mark Andrews is a big is a big thing for him. So Isaiah likely steps in. We'll find out if he can fill in that void. But you know, you know, the the the, the, the they had the best running back, uh, you know, tandem or trice. You know, they had three running backs that are actually pretty good. So they had the best rushing attack in the NFL. So I think. That combination, the running game plus a really good defense, is a recipe for winning, and that's why I think they're 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 going to continue being a, a an issue an, an issue in the AFC. I think it's about attrition right now. Uh, Lamar Jackson did not have a great game this past week. Last week he dinged up his ankle. We don't know if that was a, a reason for maybe lesser numbers this week. And the reason I bring this up is in the past that's been the issue. As the season right. wears on, he wears down. Uh, a little bit of news. One reason I was so successful with KFFL is I looked at the numbers differently. I don't believe in season-long trends when we're in week 11. Over the past three games, uh, the Ravens are ranked number 19 in passing and number five in rushing. They're still top dogs. However, it's kind of tough in this high-powered offensive league to uh, – uh, 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 truly be an elite defense because the rule changes have helped the offense. But that said, they can be beaten through the secondary. And that's, I think, what their downfall always is. They get in these shootouts. But Lamar Jackson right. is probably the best prepared for a deep playoff run as he ever has been. All righty. In fact, this game and the Niners beating up on the Seahawks, to me, was more indicative of how bad the Chargers and Seahawks really are uh, 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 more than how good those other teams are, too. Because I expected more out of both of them. Number five, the Dallas Cowboys. Eight and three, they beat up on the Washington Commanders. Eddie. Thanksgiving tradition to watch these teams play. What's your take? Uh, you know, Dallas is definitely a formidable team. They, uh, they Their defense is another uh, unit that's actually really, really good and carries that team. Now, the, the Cowboys are starting to recover, and you know, they're, they're, they have talent on that team offensively and defensively to, to present a problem for any team like the Niners or the Eagles if they're not prepared. So I think they're going to be, you know, interestingly enough, the Cowboys are actually favored if you look uh, ahead at some of the, uh, the 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 lines, the look ahead lines, they're favored against the the, the Eagles next week. Uh, the Eagles are wow. a tough game against the Eagles. Yep, and then actually, they're the the, the Cowboys are actually favored because they're playing at home against the Eagles. So we well, shall you, see. Well, you know, it's uh, the me the Cowboys just beat up on lesser teams and then always get squished by the better teams that are their equal. Right. Maybe this year's different. Dak Prescott is on fire for his of his last. Five games, he's thrown for over 300 yards. The rushing game is actually improving. Over the last three games, they've been averaging 125 yards versus their average of 115, which was shocking to me because I'm like, what the hell you done for me, Tony Pollard? You know, but as a team, yeah. uh, they're doing pretty good. Uh, you know, they beat in the Commanders, Panthers, Giants, and Rams in the past five weeks. It, it, they they beat in nobody. Uh, combined record, Eddie, of 12 and 31. 
So their task with so why they're favored against the Eagles is beyond me. They should not be, you know, having beaten those teams. But that said, I'm not knocking Dallas. I'm just giving you the actual factual points. Now they still have the Seahawks. Yeah, I Eagles. The odds makers trying. I think that's the odds makers trying to get Philadelphia money to be coming in. I think oh, okay. I see. I don't gamble, yep. so I wouldn't know. They still have the Seahawks, yep. Eagles, Bills, and Dolphins, and Lions. That's a brutal schedule. Uh, out of yep. those teams, one, two, at least three of those five teams will make the playoffs. Maybe one as yep. another one, four as an, a wild card. Number six, the Miami Dolphins. They beat up on the hapless New York Jets, thirty-four to the thirteen. What you got? And what they, you got they for continue, me? They, they, they continue to beat the teams that they're that's are, that's you know they they can only beat the teams that are ahead of that are in their schedule, right? So they're beating the teams that are ahead of you know that 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 that, that they're playing against. Yeah, they haven't necessarily beat you know a formidable <laughs> team yet, but I think they're going to. I mean, they're gonna they're 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 gonna they're gonna be a dangerous team. They're not necessarily a title contending team yet, but they're gonna be a dangerous team. And if if, if a team's not prepared, they're gonna knock well, them out because they have a lot. They're of at number sixteen. Oh, I'm sorry. They're at number six. So yes. they are a team that, that could actually win it all if they got on the road. Look, here's the problem with the Dolphins. You're right. What Eddie's trying to say, people, is you can't blame the Dolphins for only beating teams 500 or below because they have to play who's on the schedule. Correct. The downside is they've lost the better uh, plus 500 teams with those three losses. But at the end of the day, they're a year early, meaning this is a year they start stomping on teams. But then when they get to the big boys, they have to learn how to beat them. And that's what they're doing, how to compete and beat them. I think they're a year away. You know, uh, God bless Mike Daniels. I love his style. I love his demeanor. You know, yeah. uh, he's a cool guy or sounds like a cool guy. All right. Better than average, but still has kinks to work out. All right. The Jacksonville Jaguars, they beat up on the Houston Texans in a must-win game, 24-21. to 21. Your take, Eddie? Hey, Jacksonville, I think, you know, is, is in that same category like the uh, the Dolphins. They're they're a year away from, from being a, 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 an, an issue for other teams that are above them. Um, you know, they, they actually, you know, learned the hard way that you, you know, just can't show up and play against a formidable team because the Niners just spanked them. So they, that was a good learning process for them. And I think, you know, just like the Dolphins, they're going to be – Learning as they go this season, and I think they're going to be a better team next season for it. So I think they're 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 a team to watch out for for sure. You know, there were a couple of takeaways from this game. Uh, I I moved the Jacksonville Jaguars up from number ten to number seven. Well earned. This was a game they had to have, and they did not choke. Trevor Lawrence showed up, had a solid game. Well, did have an error there with the interception. He's not at that elite level yet, but he's progressing there. Believe it or not. I think CJ Stroud looks more, more, more of an NFL QB than, than Lawrence does right now. But to me, Stroud, I don't care about this year. He's working magic. I want to see if it can continue into next year and not be a one year wonder. Uh, but back to Jacksonville. Uh, look. They've got to get that rushing attack going. They only had 81 yards for Powtree, 2.7 yards yeah, per carry. That's not going to get In their defense, that's right. In their defense, the Texans have the number eight rush. Here's what is going to cause the Jaguars to lose a playoff game. They can't run the short yardage play. They did an end run, tossed it out to Travis Etienne, which is a magical play when used once in a while. But when right. it becomes part of your, your schemes and your playbook, they easily figured it out. They've got to find a bruising. What happened to the fullback? I think the Niners are the only ones with a fullback left. Or no, not the Niners. I figure there's like one team with a fullback still left. No, the Niners yeah. have a fullback. Is it the Niners? Yeah. yeah it's yeah, like it's the fullback. And, and, and that's what these teams are missing. So we have these high-scoring affairs. 
You know, you right. get a full, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm not old school. I'm like in the winning. And whiz kids, whiz kids who do nothing but whiz crap out uh, 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 seem to be getting out of the jobs. All right. Number eight, the Detroit Lions. Man, they Lions. lost to Green Bay. And uh, uh, they, they dropped from number five to number eight. I'm starting to have concerns with them uh, because they seem to lose games they should win. And, 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 and it just seems between bad coaching and bad decision-making, to me, that's a recipe for short playoff uh, uh, duration. What's your take? You know, the, they, it's interesting because that, that team – is you know eight and three they're currently tied with the Niners as well as the Cowboys for the number two seed and you know they actually were riding a, a wave you know and they got confidence through that wave and then you know reality hit they played some the better teams and you know Green Bay's not a better team but Green Bay showed up in Detroit and just lit them up I mean they played right. them physical physical right. and they might have shown a blueprint of how to beat this team because you know they haven't really played anybody physical like i mean they, they have the chicago bears are physical but they're not really that good but you know a, a team that's physical with them it looks like that's the, that could be, present a problem for them so they're gonna have to figure out how to scheme against that or, or figure out a stepping up a little bit more because dan campbell is a tough guy he's probably gonna try and toughen up his team and tell him to go ahead and you know get in there and, and, and do what you got to do because we're not losing if we're not tough you know we have to be tough to win and the packers toughened them up I, I agree wholeheartedly, but I will add this to it. Dan Campbell needs to toughen up. He should never have allowed – he should never uh, – uh, uh, some of those play calls, you know, uh, it, it's – it's. he's got to rein himself in when he gets excited. And he's not calling the plays, I, 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 but the coordinators are feeding off of him. If yep. he's all wild, crazy, excited, they may call it a dumbass play, and it costs him. So, And people are out there thinking, no way, William. Believe it or not, that's – how you think at home with your family and friends is exactly what they're thinking in the Lions coaching room, what the agent and his players are, are, are talking about. The one thing I learned about life, Betty, which, which was shocking to me, was the fact of how we're all literally the same in how we look at life, how we think about things we like and enjoy. But we think rich people, we think powerful people think differently. But when they're not working, they don't. So he needs to get that. He, he gets my point, people, is he gets excited too during the game. You see that emotion flying. He's got to temper it in because it, it's exuding on the field with some bad plays. All right, the final two teams. I never thought I'd see this, Eddie. Never thought I'd see this, Eduardo. The Denver Broncos at number nine. I know. Six and five. That? A team that, that, that gave up <laughs> 70 points. <laughs> and they <laughs> beat the Cleveland Browns. Yeah. Give me your take on this. You know, I, I got it. I'm, I'm very impressed. This is quite the turnaround. I mean, that team was left for dead weeks ago. And then all of a sudden, the team started playing inspired. And I don't know if it's because – you know, they just, you know, have more time to gel, you know, uh, and, and learn, you know, the Sean Payton scheme or I don't know. But it's it's it's, it's kind of miraculous, honestly, how, how well this team has fought back, you know, after being killed by the Dolphins, you know, earlier in the season and giving up 70 points. That hasn't happened since the 1960s. You know, some you know, so it's crazy, but I got to give it up to them. They're, they're, they turned around, and their, their defense was supposed to be really, really good this season, and it wasn't in earlier, but now it seems like they figured that out a little bit, and they're scheming better. So, Right. I, me, you know, it's it's gelling. It, 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 for people who read my article, they're aware of some of the teams. It's not that I give an excuse. It's like they're still learning how to gel together, how to yeah. play together. They're still yeah. learning their timing with the receivers. And, and look, I, I mean, look at the New York Jets. Look at that offense. 
that pathetic excuse for hmm. the New York Jets offensive coordinator was actually a head coach. Yeah. With the Denver Broncos. That's the crap Sean Payton had to fix. You know, yep. and he probably lost the team a couple of times and probably regained it as the season went. Look, over their past three games, offensively, they're ranked number 21 in passing. It's a slight tick up from how they've been playing all season. But the difference is we're seeing the Russell Wilson of old. He's using his legs to buy times. And the thing with Russell Wilson is he always went for what the defense gave them, including the bomb. I mean, if that receiver had beat him, he, he wasn't going to play a safe and get that 10-yarder. He'd go deep. So you are see, you saw Russell Wilson, the Seahawks stud, in a Broncos uniform for the first time this year, meaning he's starting to – he'll never be the Russell Wilson of old, but he's playing more closely to that. Uh, you know, so 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 from the season ranking, they were number seven – okay, the Broncos ranked their 21 in passing – from up from 25 and they rank number 17 in rushing. This is over the last three games, but that's actually a few ticks down from the number 12 ranking. But again, they're learning the jail, the pieces are coming together. Here's a stat people need to know over the past three games. They've they're ranking at number eight. Their season ranking in past defense is number 23 over the past three games. Believe it or not, despite uh, a, a, a league ranking of 26, which you're good. Oh God, that sucks. It's still a big improvement over their number 32 season ranking. So it's while the offense is getting efficient, the defense is actually stepping up and getting the job done. You know. Mm-hmm. All right, brother. Number 10, the team that got beat up by the Cleveland Browns. Now, Eddie. I can tell you don't agree with my belief when I sit there and say, look, they may be having elite defense, but any team can beat them on any given week, you know? And that's what happens when you don't have an offense uh, that can carry you. And that's the Cleveland Browns. Any week, any team can beat them. Did you have any clue that the Broncos would – did you have a clue that the Broncos would win? And I know you didn't have a clue how dominating they look when they won. So what's your take on the Cleveland Browns for losing? And uh, uh, they lost more than just the game. They possibly lost uh, a quarterback. You know, I got to give it to them though. They, they've stuck around, you know, considering all the the losses that they've 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 been you know entailed. You know, losing Nick Chubb was huge. Losing Deshaun Watson a couple weeks was huge. So it's been a carousel of quarterbacks, right? Uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson, P.J. Walker. You know, then you have Deshaun Watson. You know, a team needs to have stability, especially at the quarterback um, position. And and you can't have a carousel of quarterbacks to run uh, the most you know uh, the most important position to be able to run an offense effectively. So I think that's mainly their main issue is just the lack of continuity, lack of gelling with their quarterback. I agree, you, but you know what that quarterback situation reminds me of uh, of an auction draft. An auction draft for those who don't know, this isn't a yep. fantasy show. You bid on players and you own them. Uh, you know, 20 years ago when I was at Alabama looking at the uh, Senior Bowl, uh, 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 it was in an old slave slave uh, uh, auction house. And I'm looking at them. And they're in their underwear, people. And they're out like this. And they're being measured. And I'm looking around because it was my first one. I'm like, doesn't anybody else see what I see? But since I, I was a newbie. They were used to it. But my point view was that's where they were doing the exact same thing that they were doing 100 years ago. The difference, Eddie, is they were going to be paid tens of millions of dollars, these guys. And I was like, look at life. The 
ironies of life. Yeah, I don't know why that clicked in, but it clicked in with you talking about the carousel because they oh. need a quarterback and they're going to have to go back to the draft to get one. And they, uh, uh, but at the end of the day, oh, that's what I was going to say. Auction. It's like an auction. So in, in a in a fancy auction, you'll bid, you know, uh, a two hundred dollar budget. Some people bid a hundred bucks and then distribute ninety bucks for the rest of their team, and then come the dollar picks. Deshaun Watson, you have a budget of three hundred million. They use two hundred and eighty million to get him. Then what do they have with the two backups? Dollar players. Right. <laughs> that's yeah. that's what you're seeing. But Eddie, right. I'm gonna I'm not gonna chastise anybody. I'm gonna give you a little inside info here. Over the past three games, this much vaunted elite defense you talk about is ranked 25 in rush defense. They're allowing 149 yards per game. That's about 45 yards higher than their season average of 105. And wow. against the pass, they rank 24, which kind of goes hand in hand with their uh, with their current uh, season average. But Russell Wilson threw for what, 170, 140, right around there. But they rushed for, uh, 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 I want to say like 170, you know, uh, they the 169. The Broncos, Sean Payton knew what their weakness was. And he said, Russell, you're going to run this week, not for big yards. But when you see it, you go. Because that's what we saw from Russell. We saw him actually look to run with a couple of plays. And there you have it, my friends. That is our top 10. A quick review and we'll pop a chart up here. Uh, uh, Big Brother John will help us out with that with the text. But uh, at number one, we have the Philadelphia Eagles. Number two, San Francisco 49ers. Three, Kansas City Chiefs. Four, the Ravens. Five, the Cowboys. Six, the Dolphins. Seven, the Jaguars, eight, the Lions, nine, the Broncos, and 10, the Browns. So, Eddie, my final question to you before we move on. Out of that top 10 list, who do you disagree with? Uh, I, and don't say the Niners. <laughs> no, 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 none. I, I think you, you, your list was uh, pretty point, on point this time. And everybody, head on over to GrumbliesMedia.com because I am going to pump myself up. Uh, I, I was going to say sailor joke, but a good thing I didn't. <laughs> I'm going to pump myself up because these rankings are in depth. And Eddie, I finally found a website. It didn't allow me to determine which weeks I wanted to look at uh, 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 myself, but it gave me the last three games. And people, if you're in a fantasy league and you're looking at season rankings, you're just giving your money away. At this point, to find out who's playing better, where the matchups are, you got to look at the last three to four weeks. I say three to four weeks because of bye weeks. So sometimes it's three to five, but you want to get about four games in there to determine a good average. All right, my friend Eddie, let's keep on moving. Deion Sanders. First of all, Eddie's an old man. And he just told man. me, yeah. And he just We're told me I'm three man. years older than him today. People. You believe that? Yeah, what are you doing, man? Oil of Olay? What is this, man? What are you doing? You know, you it's seven. It, 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 what is this? It's, it, it's 30 vessel virgins a month, you know, just swimming their juice. <laughs> I'm terrible. All right. All right. Deion Sanders. So my point is, Eddie and I are a little older. Uh, we saw Dion play in his prime. What were your thoughts? You know, Dion was probably one of the best athletes we've seen um, next to Bo Jackson uh, in, 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 in the history of, of sports. There, I mean, right. at least in our lifetime. I mean, the guy was, he's an amazing athlete and actually the fastest guy I think I've ever seen. You know, what's interesting is that, you know, uh, you know, I have a buddy of mine who played in the NFL and 
you know, I asked him the question, who's the fastest person you've ever seen, you know, play? And he says, it's Deion Sanders. It's not even close. I mean, the guy could run punts, returns, kickoff returns without even like doing this when he's running. He's just running like this, holding the ball. It's amazing. So he's an incredible athlete. So, and the thing is, he's a big personality, you know, and, and I think that, you know, him being this big personality, very popular, he's been on TV, you know, he, he did really good as a, as, as a commentator for, for the NFL, you know, he's just got a delivery about him that, you know, he's engaging. And I think that, you know, him as a coach, I mean, wow, it started out great. You know, uh, he, he got his, his team all pumped up, right? It started out great, but then it kind of floundered. But, you know, I don't think he has all the talent. I mean, his, his sons are the talent right now on the team. But, you know, I think he, he – he, I think what Colorado has learned through this process is that Dion well, hold on, Eddie. Hold is, great, on. is great – well, hold on – is a great recruiter. And I think that that is his value uh, on, on the Colorado Buffaloes is to go ahead and be a recruiter because people want to go to, to, to play for him. Okay, so you answered the question, but I guess I should have been more uh, uh, more specific. What about Dion? Do you remember the most that wasn't uh, him on the field? What do I work, remember most about him as a as with that as as, not as, a, as a person, as a person, not on big, the not on the big, big personality. I mean, he's got yeah. a big personality, and he's yeah. he's he's very gravitating, you know. Yes. And you know, he he he's a great salesperson. He just is. I'm in sales, right? And and, and that guy would essentially sell anything and, and people want to buy what, he, what he's selling because it's just exactly. his demeanor. He's very, exactly. he's very, very confident. Uh, he's got a great, great persona and he's just, you know, he, he just exudes confidence and that's what people gravitate to. Oh, I agree, I agree. I don't think I he's agree. cocky. He's confident. Oh, he's very cocky, filled with confidence, bravado. He has all the good traits of it all. I hated Dion, but not because I didn't like him, because he was always so, because he was so damn good. And he was always playing against teams that I was, uh, I was rooting for, you know. So I hated him because he was so damn good. And then, and then after. Uh, after he graduated, after he retired, I started to love him because he's real. The one yeah. thing you cannot say about Deion Sanders, he's not real. You cannot say that. And when he chastised his son, that was on Twitter. You know, his son, you know, here's the thing about African-Americans, and, and I'm speaking anecdotally, but I've met a lot of them uh, uh, in the suburbs. But when we would go out at night, they'd be telling people they're from the hood, the part of the game. I mean, it's like they want that bad boy image, you know, and uh, his son was playing that card. You know, try and he tweeted it out. What are you talking about? You grew up in this, 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 this. You know, he grew up in a rich family. You know, and right. it was a culture thing. And to me, even my friends, I asked him one day about it. I go, Why do you tell people you're you're from the hood? You're from a suburb of Wisconsin, man. <laughs> you know, and then he kind of that's as you grow up and you're young, you learn. You know, and he asked me questions about Panama. You know, uh, 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 when he met my sister, the first question they always ask is, "Are you related?" Because you know she looks much different, is a little darker than me. Uh, but it's, anyway, the point being is, is Dion, I hated him, but I loved him. After, it's, and that it was those type of comments. I'm like, that's a daddy being real, saying, "I don't care who you think you are, I don't care where you're at, I'm going to put you in your place because I love you." And uh, he did very well at the historically black uh, uh, university. I think it was Jackson State. And I say that because it's an important part of our history, these historically black universities. So when Dion went there, he elevated. A lot of more people knew about those universities, knew who and what they were, and it helped with his recruitment. You know, But Dion is a diva, too. He is a self-proclaimed 
best college football coach. And he was the most talked about college football coach during the offseason. Expectations were up and down in Colorado because nobody nobody dares say, well, you can't do it at at Colorado, which you can do at Jackson State. But privately, they're saying there's no way he's going to beat these teams. You know, he's he a marketing brought, machine, though. You got to give it to him. He's a marketing yeah, machine. Yeah, Eddie, Eddie. Guy. And how many players did he bring in through the portal? Wasn't it like 50 something players? A lot. That, that trash? A yeah. lot. Yeah. That's my yeah. point. So that's that's the value that he has for Colorado. And I guarantee well, you, he is not going to last in, in, in Colorado. He's going to get a protein well, in the higher. He's got to win first. So once he gets that, I, I agree I, I don't with you. Care. He yeah, starts. He's going to. He's nah, gonna do dude, well. He, he'll, never he'll never sniff. He'll never sniff. Yeah, if he wins, if another, he wins, he will. Owe me another dinner on that, bro. You're gonna order me another. Uh, you're gonna, you're gonna, an NFL team, the Miami Dolphins, uh, uh, not uh, the Washington Commanders, aren't gonna uh, uh, hire a guy who went uh, uh, one and eight in his conference yeah, play. Yeah, I'm, not saying yeah. that, I'm not saying next year. I'm saying eventually. I'm not saying yeah, but, but, but you're disagreeing. Not. You're saying I said he has to win first. No team's gonna hire no, him no, if I, he doesn't I, win. No, I didn't say. I, I, I maybe I misspoke, but I didn't mean to say that. <laughs> I, I'm just saying he's gonna go to the NFL eventually. You watch. Yes. Well, that, that that's it. So, all right, let's get some some facts down. Uh, 51 players came and went from the port or came in through the portal. So he was able to convince or get 51 players. 57 left. Now here's, it's not because they didn't like Dion. Dion pretty much told him in so many words, I don't want you, you know, or they saw the writing on the wall and they left. He started out three and oh, got two wins over power five, uh, 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 opponents. And his ranking was as high as, or the Colorado's ranking was as high as number 18 in the AP poll. And I want to give credit, hat tip to Alec Niederveld, the good, the bad, and the ugly from Deion Sanders' first season in Colorado. Uh, I jokingly say nepotism. Uh, Shadur and Shiloh were, uh, uh one was a quarterback. Played pretty well. The other one was 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 uh, uh, uh oh he was on defense. He was a defensive player, and they both actually contributed. There was no nepotism in the sense of coach's kid getting special favors. These yeah. two kids were pretty good. good. You know, you yeah. know. Uh, now to your point of what they're saying, are you aware? I mean, because of his charisma, people gravitate toward him. They want yes. to play for him. Yada yada yada. The hiring of Dion. Is estimated to have raised 280 million for the university's athletic department. Were you aware of that? And what's your no. take? Uh, no, I mean, but I, I already said why. I mean, the guy's a marketing machine. Yeah. The guy knows. But 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 why? What what's his magic button? What does he have that others don't, Eddie? He's got got a lot of charisma. He's very confident. Yeah. He's a known he's a known entity. I mean, you know, you're right. Know who he is? I mean, he's been on TV for years. And they saw how he delivers. He's really good at, at delivering information. He's very good at it. You know, I, yeah. I'm, I'm in awe of him as a salesperson. Okay, I'm a okay. salesperson. So okay. I, he's got charisma. He's got confidence. And he just, he, he might be BSing you, but you don't know that. You you, yeah. you think that he's telling you the truth, right? Because of the way he taught, he tells you yeah. stuff. So Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I don't think Dion would actually do that. I think he'd be straight up. He'd embellish it, then give you that 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 smile and that twinkle, like, yeah, I got right, you. You know, right, he's just but, like it's. I think it's his charisma. I think if there's one is. word you have to choose to describe Dion Sanders, I would choose charisma. So yeah. that said, Eddie, uh, uh, oh, one final note before we get into that, where we have to separate the charisma, we separate the marketing, we separate the individual, and we look at X's and O's. And uh, uh, the one note before that though 
he caused Colorado tickets to be sold out for the first time in Folsom Field history. All Colorado tickets. Yep. Yeah, all yep. Colorado tickets. Oh, man. that's And now, people, let's get to, to the football. Football standings, Pac-12. He took over, first of all, he took over a 1-11 program. Started out 3-0. However, he finished 4-8. and He finished 1-8 and against Pac-12 teams. And that translated to a last place finish and no bowl game. So as a head coach, he did not live up to the hype, period. And I mean, that's not even debatable. The question is, what happens moving forward? Uh, I think that one of the negatives about Dion is he loved the trash talk. And not in a good or bad way, just being his charisma talking trash. But he put expectations on to the point some of these opposing teams were pissed. You know, and yeah. they were probably playing them harder than they would play a rival they should really care about. Yeah. And uh, uh, one thing with charisma, it, it'll put a target on his football program. Sure. Nothing good or bad, just teams high get get up for yeah. that. And, uh, and, and you're right. He's just going to get bigger than the team, bigger than the university. Eventually, he'll have to leave. However, there's been a fallout to going four and eight. And – I retract my statement. Going back to what you said, you wouldn't know if he's not telling the truth. He's that good of a salesman. I think there's a fallout to that when people do find out the truth. They started out three and zero. He was probably getting commitments. Yeah, man, look at him three and zero. You know, they end up four and eight. These kids are like, I don't want to go there. Uh, they, were, they were one eight. They ain't got no bowl game. They don't give me the the limelight I need. Yada yada yada. Two quarterback commits decided to recant their allegiance to Colorado following the Buffalo's loss to Utah Saturday. Danny O'Neill. 2024 quarterback commit, Danny O'Neill, 2025 quarterback commit, Antoine Hill Jr. Also, they lost a running back, Jamarice Wilder. According to 24-7 Sports, he is a three-star recruit for the 2025 class. Wilder marks the third such decision within 24 hours for the Buffaloes program. And tight end Caleb Foria has entered the transfer portal, he told at On3 Sports. He's a 6'5", 242-pound tight end with two years of eligibility. So uh, what's your take, first of all, on the kids leaving the program? Well, recanting? I mean, you know, there's gonna, it's going to happen, man. I mean, no, no one's immune oh, to it. No, Eddie, no nobody's immune to it. Oh, hold on, Eddie. I have been following uh, college football as long as I have NFL. Now, not as detailed, but I've never read, heard, or seen a story where three uh, kids within 24 hours in such a high visibility program decommit. Now, I'm not saying it hasn't happened, but man, that that that's not normal, Eddie. You're right. Players decommit, uh, yeah. but we're talking maybe a a couple, two to three, uh, or, or maybe one to two from these big programs every few years, you know, you'll hear something, but no, not like three. Uh, my point, my point, Eddie is what caused them to commit or, or my, not, my point is the question, what caused them to decommit? You think, uh, you know, uh, maybe, maybe these players wanted, you know, wanted to go to a program that would give them more of a spotlight, you know, a better program, right? Colorado's an up and coming program. They're not. They're not going to win overnight. I mean, they they showed that they actually have a, a decent team, but something happened. They got figured out, right? So you know, the other teams figured them out, and and you know, because they were a very explosive offense, and I think they they knew they figured out how to neutralize it. And once that was gone, I think they they didn't know how to recover because that was the, well, that was their personality. That was who they were, you know. So yeah. so I think that's probably what happened is that these other guys 
you know, they're high recruits, they're highly recruited. They want to go to a program that is winning and going to get them on TV a lot, you know, and, and get the exposure and get to the NFL. You know, that's that's their whole that's their dream. That's their hope. They probably didn't think Colorado gave them that 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 chance that other schools might give them a better chance next year. I stand by what Eddie said there, and I'll add one caveat, the fact that no star player wants to go to a program they think is going to keep losing. And at the end of the day, they're a sorry team, but not because it's they're sorry because he's rebuilding the program and he's in year one. So it will take time. All right, Eddie, the Carolina Panthers fire Frank Reich. Indianapolis fired Frank Reich in the middle of the season last year. And – the Panthers have fired Frank Reich. They also let go Josh McCown, the quarterback's coach, and Deuce Staley, the running back's coach. I bring them up because they were, they were actually highly respected people, especially Staley. He's been coaching now maybe uh, uh, 10 years, 7, 10 years. Uh, Chris Tabor, the team's special teams coordinator, will be the interim coach. Senior assistant Jim Caldwell, I didn't know he was still around, will be a special advisor to offensive coordinator Thomas Brown, who will take over play calling. a lot of names. The point is, he got fired. A couple of high-profile assistant coaches got fired, and nobody's had been brought out, uh, uh, have been brought up to run the team, and an old 80-year-old, 70-year-old former head coach, Caldwell, is going to be the uh, the old seer, you know, to give them sage advice. This move marks the second straight year in which the Panthers have fired a coach during the middle of the season. You remember Matt Rule, Eddie? Yeah. I Got do. whacked. Yeah. You know, and he was in a rebuild as well. Uh, the problem was uh, he had no quarterback, but, uh, you know, I, that team's a mess. Uh, what's your take on everything I've said? First of all, were you shocked at the firing? Not that I'm shocked. I just don't think that that owner understands that winning is a process. It doesn't happen overnight. It can't happen over the first half of the season. A team has to gel. A team has to figure out a, a plan together, you know, and and, 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 and and unite, you know. And, and, and if you keep changing coaches and coaching staffs after, you know, five, six, seven games in consecutive seasons, it just looks dysfunctional. They, they need to have a, a – a, a, the owner needs to just say, okay, I'm hiring this a guy and I'm going to give him a contract for two to three years and I'm going to let it sit out. You know, kind of like what John Lynch uh, did, you know, with uh, Mike Shannon. I see not with John Lynch, uh, with, with, with uh, Jed York did with, you know, both John Lynch and, and Kyle Shanahan. He gave him up front five years of, you know, after having, you know, bad coaches, you know, you, you need to have uh, an ownership that trusts, you know, in, 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 in a process. And this, Obviously, this this owner does not does not understand that. So that's that's I, my opinion. I think uh, he's just a horrible human being. You know, he tried to put the screws of the team to the small town he was working a deal with to have the practice facilities there. He just you know halfway through dropped everything, was wanting them to pay up, and they're like, we're a town of fifty people. I mean, obviously, I'm exaggerating, but you know, it's and he lost in court. You know, he's a hedge fund billionaire. God bless anybody and how they make money. But those are some of the shadiest, crookedest (laughs) people around. What I'm trying to say is they have no sense of loyalty. They have no care. And and with hedge fund managers, I'm speculating because I'm not one, but I understand stock and the market. I understand how it works. I'm not an expert, but, you know, those people, you know, they take risks, you know, they take shots and, 
Now he's taking that acumen to an industry he has no clue about and how it works, right. how, how players react. He's also a man probably in his late 60s, early 70s. Uh, he doesn't relate to these young – and old, rich, white billionaire. He doesn't relate to these young kids. And yeah. Frank Reich, you know, he was hired to specifically to rebuild the team and, 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 and focus on the quarterback. In 2018, he made Andrew Luck the comeback player of the year. Yep. He was a quarterback or the, he was a coordinator, the quarterback's coach or the offensive coordinator. Uh, uh, when he had Carson Wentz, who we've seen how he's been without Frank right. Reich and yep. Nick Foles, a backup, took him to the Super Bowl. Right. You know, uh, uh, Peterson was a head coach, but he was instrumental, you know, yep. He wanted C.J. Stroud. They forced them to take uh, Bryce Young. Right. Look how that's around. What I'm saying is he has all these positive traits, these right calls he's made, and you fire him at what it is. That team sucked. But when your best receiver is a 33-year-old uh, uh, guy out of Minnesota who wasn't even a top receiver on his team in Minnesota, you've got problems. When you right. trade away uh, your number one pick, you know, to take the guy who the head coach didn't want but wanted the guy who went number two, you've got problems. You know, they say he's aggressive behind the scenes. They, I did do, learn this. Did you did, did you see the the notes on his the head coaches he's fired? No, no. He wants quick results and fired four head coaches. Eddie, he owns an MLS team. One of oh, the teams geez. made it to the playoffs, but didn't get far enough in the playoffs. So he's a quick result. He thinks he's tough and bad. He just uh, he just he he's a moron. I've never liked him since I saw what he tried to do in South Carolina to that small town. And uh, 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 there's a reason. Bad teams, the Jets, Browns, Chargers, Commanders, Lions, Bears, Raiders, Panthers, Cardinals, Falcons. Sure, a couple of those teams are doing well now, but 98% of their history is nothing but bad history. And we used to talk about this, Eddie, at KFFL when, we had, when I had staff. You know, we sit down and it always came up eventually a couple of times. How do these billionaire owners earn billions or, or, or build up billion-dollar empires and come here and have no clue how to run uh, a, a, a professional sports franchise. And I told him it's because they make every big decision. They make all the heavy decisions. They have a lot of yes-men. They're in a machine that's already oiled. Football is not like that. And I think David Tepper is is going to – he's still paying Matt Rule. Well, he's uh, got to pay the difference of Matt Rule's yeah. last contract. Now he's paying Frank yeah. Wright. You know? All right. All right. Any, com any comments – uh, uh, give me your final comment on what you think of the Frank Reich uh, hiring. Now, I've kind of taken up a lot of the time, but you specifically, what do you see wrong about this firing? Uh, they just didn't give him enough uh, time and chance to gel. That was that was my whole point. So that, right. that's, that's the issue. Yeah, uh, and real quick, people, they are currently the top pick in the 2024 NFL draft. And they don't even own it. The Chicago Bears are going to have, could possibly have the number one pick and another top 10 pick. Uh, uh, their own, you know. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. You know what? We're going to uh, end it with the national basketball. You know what? No, we're going to do your NBA talk, Eddie. Then we're going to do one minute quick hits, a lightning round. But first of all, I want to hear about some of these rule changes. I know Eddie's a nut when it comes to the NBA people. So much a nut that he knows more than than any armchair quarterback, and I look at him as an analyst. So talk to me about these rule changes, Eddie. How are some of the changes that NBA's made this season going? So the, the, there's three big things that the NBA did this season 
and we were wondering how it was going to all play out. The, the big one is this in-season tournament. And I got to tell you, it's been a resounding success. I mean, it's made the games early in the season exciting. And that's what I, that's what they wanted to do. We weren't sure if there's, if the, if the players were going to buy into this and, and the games, well, you know, there's in-season tournament tonight. Uh, today's the final day of the in-season tournament. So all of the, uh, the groups will have their, their, their teams that emerge from those groups. And they, they go into this knockout round uh, starting next week, or actually this week, later this week. Um, but it's been a, it's been a, a resounding success. It's marketed. Well, they actually, you know, if you look at the, the games, you can tell it's an in-play game because they changed the floor. You know, the floor is, uh, is, is yeah. yeah, they make they have their own floor. So you can see, but the only, the only problem is some of these floors are just too bright red, too bright blue. And it's kind of hard to see the lines. And when you play NBA, you know, the lines, you know, kind of come into play, especially out of bounds, right? You have to know where out of bounds is. And with right. these colors, it's hard to kind of see, you know, the, all the lines. So, but I would say it's been a, a great success so far. We will see if the knockout round coming up, if, if, if players uh, and the team still play as hard. And I know that, you know, at least the team that I follow here, the Warriors, they, they care about it. They want to they wanna win it. They want to be the first, you know, team to win it, you know, because there's a trophy and every every uh, player from the winning team is going to get 500,000 bucks, right? And right. there's no extra games. Only, there's only one extra game. It's the championship game, and that's it. So I think a lot of people didn't understand that, you know, how this thing worked, but it's just taking the schedule and creating a tournament with the schedule and, and groupings. And I think it's been a resounding success. So that's number one. The second one, uh, the big, the, another change that the NBA was trying to crack down is flopping. They, they wanted to come up with an anti-flopping policy and they're actually, you know, you know, there's a lot of floppers in the NBA. It became like, uh, it, it's usually it, a big guy, a big guy flopped. <laughs> yeah, it's like crazy. It's like, you know, it's like, come on, refs, why are you doing this? They're making you, these guys are making you look bad, right? Why are you guys falling into this trap? You know, it's like so ridiculous. Like these these NBA players are just acting because they know they're going to get the call. And it's just, you know, the, the NBA, I'm, I'm glad the NBA is cracking down on this. So what's happened now, it's, you're seeing calls, you know, I would say like maybe one or two a night you're seeing from uh, different uh, games that, you know, this anti-flopping is being called and they're, you know, and, and, and what happens is a technical foul and, and a free throw. So I think that they're cracking down and I think it's working. So that's right. number two. So in season tournament and then the anti-flopping. And then the third real one. Quick, Eddie, the- real quick, Eddie, real quick, just to let you know, your in season tournament viewership is up 20% from last year. So it's, it's you're right. People are loving it and, and, and they're watching it more than they did last year. So yep. it's a good marketing move. What's yep. number so three, number, brother? The, the, the third change, and this is the last change, is, you know, the, the, the NBA was trying to uh, uh, crack down on load management. You know, a lot of, a yeah, lot of yeah, star yeah, players yeah. were taking time off, right? There are a lot of t- star players were resting. And the NBA, I think, came up with a good uh, a rule where now the stars of a team, no more than one can sit for rest purposes because, you know, these these, you know, people are paying a lot of money to come see these stars, right? And a lot of them, you know, if they're not playing, they want to be seen at the floor just so, you know, families or people can maybe have a chance to take a picture with them and so forth. So I think they've done a very good job on that. And and I think they've made it pretty hefty fines for those teams that violate this policy. So, so far, you haven't seen any team violate the policy because there's a lot of money to be paid. 250000 for the first infraction. It's a, a 500000 for the next infraction. Then it goes to right. a $1.25 for the next to the third infraction, and then it's a million dollars on top of the previous fine thereafter. So I, I, they did a good job in cracking this down. So those are the big three NBA 
changes that were made. And so far, they've been all a success. I got to be honest. I, I think there's got to be a better solution. That's a win-win. Look, if if I'm the coach and my player's 38 years old and can only play uh, uh, X nights a week, I'm going to sit him. I don't care what the league says. But my point being is eventually the players union is going to say something about that because what I just said is absolutely true. Uh, strategic rest periods is key for a, a league that's built on attrition. Look, I always talk about football being a league of attrition, but so is the NBA with 80 games. Yeah. And yeah. they're like, thoroughbreds running up and down that court. So, you know, I think a great, uh, 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 a better situation would be, okay, it's his rest day. He still has to show up, but he's going to show up an hour early the, for fan appreciation, signing autographs, yeah. and that, that gets the fans, that makes the fans happy. Yeah. It's a better situation. He gets his rest. You're still being paid. Be, uh, you're earning a $100 million contract. That, that's not just for you on the courts, for you to interact with the fans. And I think I think eventually we're going to see something like that. But the union won't stand for it because eventually you're going to have a lot of veterans uh, actually getting injured because they feel they, they were forced to play before they should have. Yeah, but get them, get them, just, I just want to clarify something. They're not – people, the teams can still rest their players, right? If they need a rest, they'll give them a night off, right? You can still do that. But you just can't have multiple, like, you know, more than one. Right. So they're doing that right now. You're seeing the star players get a rest night, you know, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, whoever they're doing it. Right. And they're not getting fined because, you know, unless the, the other players, you know, really injured, there's no fine. Right. Yeah. But if they're okay. actually trying to rest two players at the same time when there's, when there's no injuries, then that's the issue. But they, and you're they, right. Still, you're right. Yeah. You're right. My mentality is one of uh, 55 men on a team, you know, 40 some on the baseball squad, too. NBA, it's 12. You're 12 deep. That's it. 15. So they really can't, 15, 15. but but you really can't afford that to let them sit. But, you know, I'm sure throughout the years, there's been two 35 plus year old guys uh, on the team vying for that final championship or every other year with the New York Knicks, and they're going to rest. <laughs> so the issue will, but you're right. I didn't realize that. All right, brother. Uh, sorry to have interrupted uh, you. Those are the three rules. Yep. My other question, though, is uh, I want to hear more about who you see that's surprising and then who you see that's disappointing right now. Okay. So I'll give you the, the biggest surprises so far. I got to tell you, you know, I, I give you my preseason rankings. I've already talked about these guys at, at nauseum, but the Oklahoma City Thunder are definitely yeah. a team that has emerged as a team to watch out for, for sure. They're not doing very good in the in-season tournament play for whatever reason. But they're in the you know the top three in the in the in the in the conference uh, as far as standings right now. Uh, they 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 are a team to reckon with. They're young and they're just deep and they're talented. So that was one I've already brought up. Minnesota Timberwolves being the top team in the West. You know Denver is no longer the top team in the West. It's Minnesota. Minnesota is a top team. And they're are they for real? Again. We shall see. They're, I mean, we weren't sure whether or not you know the the the, the t- twin tower approach of Rudy Gobert and. And, and Carl Anthony Towns is going to work. So far, it's working. But I think what's really happening is that the emergence of Anthony Edwards. Anthony Edwards is a star. He has emerged as a star in the NBA. And, and then you, you you couple that with another veteran like Mike Conley. You know, it's a good team, and they're defensive-minded. So they're actually considered the top-rated defensive team right now in the NBA. So that, that right now is the reason why I think they're winning. Uh, the other surprise that I'll tell you, and I did not see this, the Orlando Magic. The Orlando Magic yeah. currently are in the top three in the East right now. And they are also a very defensive-minded team. And I, I, I guarantee you, you probably can't even name any player on that team. Even if, you know, for me, I'm a fantasy player, so I know, right? I know, I, I know right. a lot of these players. But 
they, they don't have like huge star power. The, probably their biggest star on their team is Paulo Banquero. I'll say Banchero because I think that's the way it's supposed <laughs> to be pronounced, right? But anyway, Paulo Banchero from Duke, I think he's the, the best the best guy on that team. And then you have other guys like uh, Cole Anthony, you know, Greg Anthony's son. You have uh, more, more, Mo Wagner and you have Franz Wagner, the twins. Uh, they're, they're, they're brothers, not twins. But anyway, they have a bunch of like not i don't say no names but they're not big star player power right. but they're a defensive minded team so i'm right. very surprised at, at, at how good they're, they they're, they've been playing another surprise is my last surprise is the uh the, how well the sixers are playing the sixers got rid of james harden right and additions by subtraction they've gotten better and they 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 dominated the lakers the other night i don't know if you knew this but they killed the lakers they they handed lebron james's worst loss in his career uh, it was what like was a score? 40, it was a 44-point de- deficit. They lost by 44 points. It's huge, wow. right? That, that's so massive. That is massive. So so it seems like, you know, uh, what's happened is, you know, Harden leaving the Sixers is the emergence of Tyrese Maxey being the next star on that team that that, that would help out uh, Joel Embiid, you know, as, as far as Joel Embiid not carrying the full load. Tyrese Maxey has emerged as a great player for that team. Uh, DeAnthony Melton is a really good defensive-minded a player that came from the Memphis Grizzlies. Then you had Tobias Harris, who's already a good player. So now they just seem to be better now. And then you know the the the, the trade with the Clippers. They the Clippers gave them a bunch of depth, right? Uh, they, uh, Nicholas Batum, Robert Covington. You know these guys are all very you know uh, Marcus Marcus Morris. All these guys are long veteran players. And the, the the Sixers are. I'm surprised at how good they actually are. They're actually the top three in the uh, in, in the East as well. Uh, Bucks and them, I think, are, are tied right now. But that's another surprise. Um, any, yeah. So, and then as far as disappointments, I'll go to my disappointment section. Well, hold so, on, Eddie. I got a question, oh, okay. Eddie. Sure. When was the first time you heard the term the Twin Towers in basketball? Uh, the uh, uh, Hakeem Olajuwon as and uh, Ralph Sampson, the Houston Rockets. And it was a massive failure. Remember? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. For for the audience, but, but, uh, Ralph Sampson was 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 the premier player, not for one year, for literally his four years in college at Virginia. Got drafted by the uh, Houston Rockets to pair up with Olajuwon, and I think he was too skinny, Eddie. I think he was just too skinny probably. for the NBA. Yeah, probably. But they were. I, I want to say they were the original uh, 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 twin. Was it twin, twin dollars? Yep. yep. Anyway, but, but just now, wanted to put my two now. cents in. Yeah, no worries, but my, but but now there's teams that are starting to do that more now. Um, so the Minnesota Minnesota Timberwolves were not the first team to do that. Actually, the Cleveland Cavaliers were the first team to really do that in the in the in the modern NBA. Because what happens when they when the Warriors win their championships, everybody started trying to copy the Warriors' style, right? Yeah, they wanted to, you know, guys who could shoot, you know, the guys who could defend, oh, positionless basketball. You know, that's what the Warriors created that trend, and now there seems to be. A, a reemergence of you know size, right? So the Cleveland Cavaliers employed three seven footers at one time at, mm-hmm. in their starting lineup, you know, and that's that's you don't see that. So they were the first ones to employ that, and now you you see the uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves doing it too, and and I think more teams are going to start trying to do that as well. So all right, so um, so as far as did you okay, those are my disappointments. My biggest, disappointments. Again, my biggest surprise. Those are my biggest surprises. Those those four. The biggest, the, the biggest disappointment so far, and I want to say it's team related. I would just say the Phoenix Suns not being able to see their big three play together yet. That hasn't happened yet. Bradley Beal has been hurt with his back. 
and they're, ta- they're they're being very cautious with them because they don't you know back problems are a big issue you know it's for, for any athlete i mean once your back is thrashed you really can't do anything so they're, right. they're taking a very conservative approach they're having them just rest you know at least a month so we're gonna miss seeing that big three not probably not until christmas maybe a little bit earlier than than christmas because of they're just they just want to rest bradley beal but Devin Booker was hurt early in the season, so Bradley Beal played, I think, a couple games, and Devin Booker wasn't playing, but Kevin Durant has been taking the full load, and that team is, is good, you know, uh, even without their big three playing. So, what, you know, as we talked about earlier in a, in a previous podcast, sometimes one of these star players are, no, are, are not playing, and, and it, this gives the opportunity for the next man up to develop mm-hmm. right, their skills. So I think that's kind of a, a blessing in disguise for the Phoenix Suns that they have all these other, you know, role players that are getting a lot of – playing time that's actually going to make them even better once their big three gets to play together so that's one uh the next one that i'll say is uh the new the new orleans pelicans i think a lot of people thought that they were going to be a team that was going to emerge uh, a team that's an up and coming that's going to you know kind of contend with the okc's you know the, the houston right. rockets you know uh th- those type of up and coming teams and because they have zion williamson and zion williamson has not been hurt this year yeah right um so you know they have they, they have him you know and then, and then they have a valanchunas they, they, they're a big team but then what happened is uh cj mccullum had a collapsed lung so he's been out yeah, so he hasn't right, been playing yeah. for a while so so you know then you have brandon ingram who's another star player on that team you know they we just haven't seen that team really put together you know all a bunch of wins because all their they're missing some key players, especially CJ McCollum and Trey Murphy is another one that they're missing as well. So I would say that's that's a disappointment. The the first two are have to do with, you know, injuries and not being able to see the players, you know, the, together playing together. So those are the, the right. two dis- disappointments. The other one that I'll tell you, it's uh, the Memphis Grizzlies. I never saw the Memphis Grizzlies crumble. I mean, I, I didn't anticipate <laughs> them crumbling as much as they have. They have crumbled. It's 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 amazing that no one's talking about, you know, Taylor Jenkins, you know, possibly losing his job because that team looks just a little dysfunctional. And all they're really missing is John Morant, really. You know, they lost Dylan Brooks. But other than that, I mean, Steve Adams got hurt in the season, but that team just, just doesn't look, they don't look, they don't have that fire anymore. And I don't know what happened there, but something happened there. Something's going on in that locker room. They shouldn't be this bad. They should not be this bad. They have Jaron Jackson, who's a really good uh, defensive player. Uh, and also a decent offensive player. Then you have Desmond Bain, you know, who's uh, who's emerged as a talented, you know, two guard in the NBA. You know, th- those two uh, right there, you know, are, are, are talented enough to be able to offset some of what's going on, right? But I don't know. That's surprising. That's a disappointment that you know they're not a team that I thought that would. I thought they were going to be higher than where they're at. They were. I I think I picked them six in the preseason. They're not even in the in the, in the play-in uh, time. So that's number three. And then the last one, the last big disappointment is closer to home. It's my Golden State Warriors. You know, they started out six and two, <laughs> yeah. and then they lost to the Denver Nuggets and played the Denver Nuggets very well when they lost their third game. And then what happened? They started playing against these teams with size. You know, they played the Cleveland yeah. Cavaliers twice, the Minnesota Timberwolves twice, and then they just lost the momentum, right? And then they just kind of came back down to earth. But really what the biggest reason why that's happened is because Clay Thompson and Andrew Wiggins, two of their big key uh, pieces that were from their championship uh, team at least last, uh, two years ago those two guys have had really really slow starts and ah, you know we can you. see that what's happening with clay thompson it seems to be in his head that you know he was trying to get a contract done by the beginning of the year it didn't happen i think the 
the the Warriors, uh, you know, brass wants to kind of let him play for it, right? Show me what you got, and then I'll give you a contract. You know, because right. you know th- their intent is to be able to keep these their big three together. But Clay Thompson's last one who hasn't signed, and I think it's in his head that because he's he's struggling a little bit, he's pressing a little bit, he's trying to get a shot back. He's notorious slow starter as far as shooting, but this is in his head, so I think this is causing a problem. Then you have Andrew Wiggins, who last year had you know didn't even play on the team for like the last almost like a two month period for personal reasons that we still don't know what really happened. There's a lot of speculation that has something to do with his dad. What do you think? You know, Mitchell Wiggins was his dad who used to play in the NBA. The other speculation that had to do with his 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 kid and baby mama. You know that that really not his kids. I mean, there's all kinds of things that you're hearing. But the one thing that you can say is that the Warriors have not leaked anything, which is impressive that nothing is leaked from the Warriors. There's just a lot of people speculating about what the really what's really happened. But and the other thing is that Jordan Poole was one of his best friends. So I think you're seeing some of that kind of play out a little bit, you know, with him. He's kind of a more of a sensitive soul a little bit. You know, you can kind of just see the way he carries himself. He's a little bit quieter, a little bit more sensitive. He's a freakish athlete. But, you know, the the, the slow start for those two guys, I think, is the biggest reason why the Warriors were struggling in that, in that six, seven game period where they they weren't looking like themselves. And, of course, Draymond Green, you know, had to get suspended for choking <laughs> out, uh, you know, Rudy Gobert, right? So, but he he's back today. They're playing against the uh, – the the, the 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 Sacramento Kings tonight in a play-in tournament and if they win and they win by like I think 12 points or 11 points then they actually advance to the next knockout round but if they lose they're out so that's why I'm saying that these play-in games are actually very very entertaining because the teams are playing for something and you can see it that they're they're playing harder so those are my yeah. biggest uh, uh surprises and biggest disappointments in the NBA wasn't Andrew so, Wiggins an overall number one pick he was yep out of Kansas Overall, has he lived up to the hype? Uh, no. I mean, he's a very talented player, but what happens is that I, I think he's not a number one superstar on a team. He's more of yeah. like a probably a two or third best. Yeah, yeah, he's more of a, but he's very, very good. I mean, what 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 we have found in his tenure as a, on the Warriors is that he's a very, very good defensive player, and I don't think we saw that coming out of college. He was more known as an offensive player because he was so freaking athletic, and he still is right. very athletic. Um, but the Warriors know how to uh, uh, hone in on, on a talent, especially on the defensive end. They, they honed in on that talent with Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant is now a very, very good defensive player, and they've done the same thing with Andrew Wiggins. And I think that's their biggest strength right now of Andrew Wiggins is his defensive prowess. He always takes on the best player of the opposing team on the defensive end. He does a very good job. So, yep. Well, you know, uh, you were talking about earlier about, uh, you know, the the bench player getting his playing time yep. are you are you aware what the term wally pipped is yeah yeah that's the <laughs> no usual. play huh yep no pip is the guy who lost his job uh lost his job yeah. uh, uh Lou Gehrig. Who, oh, no, no, Lou Gehrig. Gehrig. I thought it was usual. Yeah. yeah yeah Lou Gehrig. Was, yeah, yeah, yeah. one of those big new yorkers but the yeah, term I think you're wally right it is pip. Lou Gehrig. It, it is Lou yeah. Gehrig. yeah I, I i knew it was an old timer i just wasn't sure which one it was oh, <laughs> it's yeah, the unusual yeah 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 and the other thing, Eddie, though, there's only it's only it, granted it's 82 games, uh, 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 20 games have been played. I mean, there's still about 60 games left in the books in the tank, right? So I right. wouldn't worry too much yet uh, if it's your favorite team out there, people. But at the end of the day, Eddie brings up some good concerns, you know. And real quick before we go on, uh, how is how are uh, Victor 
and Chet doing. Victor being with the Spurs won by Yama and Chet uh, uh, forward with the uh, Oklahoma it's Thunder, Chet right? City Holmgren. Thunder. Chet Holmgren. I'm sorry, Chet Holmgren with the Oklahoma City Thunder. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Both those guys are doing very, very good. And it's a two-man race for rookie of the year. I mean, it's not even a question. It's 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 one of those two. There's other guys that have emerged, like the Thompson twins. Uh, not, right, not, the, right. not the group of the 80s. But about- <laughs> yeah, no. Oh, man, Eddie. They, have yeah. been, they were like, you know, that was the like- first generation of modern uh, humanity yeah, in America 80s. where you saw the androgynous man. You know, now it's yeah, more. Yeah. Them, yeah, you know, the, yeah. song that song lies, 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 yeah. Who was who was the first one? Was uh, uh I would say is is Boy George and, and with the well, way he dressed and the big hair. Yeah, yeah. But I think oh, Thompson twins were before Boy George, yes, the culture club. Yes, I believe culture so. Yeah, the culture yeah, club, so, yeah. so the Thompson twins I think were before the culture club. So yeah, but anyway, yeah. the Thompson twins of the NBA are Asar Thompson and uh, Amen Thompson. It, it, it's spelled Amen, but it's it's pronounced Amen. Anyway, those two guys are very, very good, and they're they, they would be in the running if um, if both these other players weren't in the NBA. But these two uh, guys, they're they're unbelievable players, and I would say that I would give the edge right now to Chet Holmgren. Chet Holmgren, I think, is a more refined player, although I think his ceiling is not as high as Victor Wembanyama. Victor Wembanyama is one of these uh, uh, transcendent players. He's going to be a, a talent. He just needs to bulk up a little bit, but he's got skills. Yeah. He is. He's filthy with the ball. We all know that, but Eddie, why are they 3-11? and Why why are they, real quick, before we move on, why are they they 3-11, and the Spurs? Look, I don't follow basketball like Eddie does, and I'm still in the football doing these articles that are killing me. But at the end of the day, I thought they'd be doing a little bit better than 3-11 and or whatever. Me too. You know, I I think that, you know, the, the, the team still needs to figure out how to all play together. This is a big, big you know, per- personality, right? I mean, he's 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 got so much fanfare and so much media hype, and he's got so much following. Like the Spurs are now all of a sudden the NBA's, and they're in the NBA spotlight across the, the entire globe because of this kid. So that has some influence, I think, on the dynamics of a team. You know, I think that they understand they're in the limelight. I think there's an adjustment period for someone, a player like this. You know, that to, mm-hmm. to come on the team, he's not gonna, he's not like a LeBron James. That you know brings the ball up dishes and all that. He has right, to right. rely on somebody else giving him the ball to be able to create his own shot and so forth. LeBron James could create his own shot. That's why he was a bigger impact when he came out because he was just this yeah. big, huge guy who could just well, yes. like part, right. That's the thing. It was his size. He he was a man child at eighteen who could match kid. up with NBA players. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He all was right. A big kid. And this, yeah, and this guy's the same way. He's just a lot skinnier. So that's yeah. Yeah. All right, Eddie. I'm going to ask you three questions. I'm going to set up the the, the scenario, and then I want you to give me your honest take. It take about a, a minute. So we're going to start out with quarterback Caleb Williams out of USC. First of all, people, he was originally from Oklahoma. He trans hit the transfer portal after one season, and in essence, he was he wanted a, a, a more visible school, you know, to help him prep for the NBA draft. Uh, he. he, he He'll be drafted by either a top 10 team, but he was the consensus number one overall pick until this year started coming about. They've lost three games, I want to say now. Uh, after they lost to, to Washington, he ran up into the stands blubbering, wailing. He wasn't just tears coming down. He was, ah! <laughs> 
I mean, uh, <laughs> that's that was him, Eddie. And, and there's, there's Mama Kavina, but come here, baby boy. You don't have to be sitting covered me. So you can see it. Then he he painted uh, F U Utah his fingernails. And my take is, dude, you're a man. Why are you painting? Uh, you know what are you? Uh, you would you just leave your Barbie club meeting? You know. No, hold on, hold on, I'm not done yet. I got a comment on that real quick because the UFC okay. fighters. Are like, they paint their fingers. I don't think you'd be calling them out like that. So, you know, I you will with my know. Second Amendment. I will with my Second Amendment weapon. <laughs> but no, you're right. You're right. Uh, uh, so after he lost to Washington, uh, he says, "I want to go home and cuddle with my dog and watch some shows." <laughs> you know. So I mean, he he's giving the percent. I don't know. He I would assume. He's a he's a good looking heterosexual man gets the chicks whatever, and I say that because ninety percent of men are boys his age are like that, and I don't really care. But this is just funny, funny. I think uh, because look, I got to be honest. My take: he's of a JJ, a pajama boy, a wuss. The quarterback position is a position of leadership. You must be prepared to grow into that role. And he will set an owner back uh, 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 tens of millions, get nothing for it. And get, I read it somewhere in my research. He's going to get the head coach and the GM fired. That's my take. What's yours, Eddie, before we move on? Well, I mean, we all got to remember that he's still a kid, man, right? I mean, he's 21 years old. And I get your your point that, you know, GMs and, and coaches, this might take him aback, especially for like a sport like the NFL, right? You know, we're kind of a, a strong, macho guy, usually is the guy that people take, you know, because that's the kind of the persona of the NFL. But we got to remember, this guy's a kid. He's a kid. I'm not condoning, the, you know, his crying and all that. You know, I mean, people are emotional. Some people take losses very, very hard. I already brought up the, the UFC reference. You ever see these guys lose a fight? They're crying, man. And they're crying like blood. No, 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 no. There's a difference. Yeah. You know, tears no, come no, out I'm and all so, that. But not. Bro, you had your time, right? So these guys, they're emotional. They're invested in it. There's there's something to be said about you know, about Caleb Williams being invested in this thing. It's great that he's like that and, and being able to express his emotions. What, what 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 creates the problem though is what he said, and that's what what he said is what people are going to gravitate to more than his emotional outburst, in my opinion. All right, uh, I see you're going to have the last word. I lied. Look. In the military, you have uh, uh, 17 at times and 18-year-old kids handling nuclear stuff, uh, working on on $100 million. You screw up, you get chastised, you get punished, but you quickly learn and you quickly learn how to become a leader. The quarterback position is one of leadership. It's the most expensive position on that team. In any sport, that's not that's not the core that's not the type of player makeup you want in your leader. And an athlete said it. Look, we all cry, you know. But he was wailing in the stands. I mean, mean, the athlete was saying, it's okay to have tears. And it's about the game. He goes, but this guy was just literally wailing there on his mama's shoulder. He goes, his point was, that's not leadership. There's a big difference. And that's what I'm referring to. Yeah, he can go wail all he wants. But if I'm an NFL owner, don't expect me to pay six million. All right. Charissa Thompson, Fox Sports Satellite reporter. She came out in an interview. Yeah. Carissa, I Carissa said Charissa. No, Charissa okay. if, if, okay. if she was my girlfriend, I call her Chorisa. <laughs> oh, nice. 
Exactly. I had chorizo exactly. today for lunch, actually. I had a chorizo there, nachos, man. They were awesome. There you go. There you go. Okay. Uh, she came out and said that uh, she lies. She makes stuff up. Now, let me add this. The example she gave, they're what you call white lies, fill in the blanks. You know. However, she's been demonized by mostly women. Most fans are saying, who cares? Who, who cares about the sideline reporter? They don't tell you anything. We don't care. So uh, uh, you're getting two sides of women handed her. Most believe sideline reporting doesn't matter. They didn't care. Here's my quote. I wrote this down. And the women were complaining because it sets journalism back. And even some men were like, this hurts our journalistic integrity. Journalism officially died in 2000 after Al Gore lost the presidency and then lost his bid to steal the election. And these journalists helped him attempt it. And you want to talk integrity? And I, I'm not lying. You can go look at the film. You can go read the articles. You can go look at the Florida Supreme Court uh, decision that they applauded, lauded, and defended. And then you can see how the Supreme Court destroyed it. My point, people, is there is no journalism. When I read this story, I'm like, and who is surprised? Right. I have no respect for today's journalists. And it's so biased, it's political. One reason KFFL succeeded and we got so many insiders and reporters to help us, including general managers, we were always bluntly true. And, and, and that goes much farther. Eddie, you get the last take on this. You know, I got to tell you one thing. It's the most useless part of reporting out there is when they do the sideline talking to the head coach or, you know, the sideline talking to the NBA head coach, you know, it's right. like, it's, it's all the same kind of coach talk and coach speak. It's like, what, what value are we as the audience getting out of the same coach talk and coach speak? If anything, it's just making, you know, uh, the audience maybe connect more with the personality of the coach, but who cares, man? Re really? I think they should just get a, do away with all of that side of the line reporting because I don't think anybody cares about it, really. The only real person who was very entertaining, and I know you don't like this guy, was Greg Popovich. And the reason why he was entertaining is because most of the time he was an ass. But sometimes he actually was cool, right? And, and, and a lot of people, you kind of see like these reporters kind of struggling to talk to him. And it was reporting, to, it was actually entertaining to watch sometimes, right? You know, because you didn't right. know if this guy was going to be hot or cold with him. Other than that, other than Greg Popovich, who cares? I don't, they should get rid of it. So it doesn't surprise me, though, what you just said, that these, you know, that these people actually do make up stories. I mean, sometimes they're probably not able to talk to the coach, like Carissa Thompson said. So they just kind of reuse a lot of the coach speak that they've right. got in their reserve banks and just say it because it's the same. And well, how, right. how's everybody else going to know about it? Right. Because it's the same. So that's what I'm saying. Get rid of that. So then, you know, these people can really do what they're supposed to be doing and actually do journalism and reporting the right way. You know, it's, 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 uh, I did say I would discipline her. To me, that was a white lie. She's got to say something, you know, and you're going to do the company line, meaning, yeah, they got to get stiffer in the run game. You know, they got to do this or that, you know, so it's kind of white lies, but I'm like, discipline her, but you're right, Eddie. It shows how valueless that, that, that reporter's job is there. All right. Our final segment, Eddie, uh, the floor is yours. Let me sit there, start it out with the quarterbacks. We're going to do quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, and defense, though. Okay. Quarterback, running so, back, wide receiver, uh, tight end. Yeah, so right now we're in week 13 of the uh, the NFL, uh, the fantasy football season, and this is playoff time. You know, some right. some leagues are having their playoffs starting this week. Other leagues, like mine, are starting in week 14 because, you know, we have a 14-team league, and, you know, there's more weeks in the NFL season. So, But as far as, you know, some of these names, 
a lot of these names are going to be repeats, but the ones that really st- uh, the, for the quarterback, Jordan Love. I mean, you know, he's a quarterback at Green Bay. He's actually been playing very well, especially his yeah. last two weeks. He's been scoring 20 plus points in consecutive weeks. So if you don't have, if you need uh, one of your quarterbacks, like, you know, Josh Allen, for instance, who's sitting this week because he's on a bye, if someone, right. if, like, if you need to get a fill in, Jordan Love is a great pick. The second guy that I would say is Matthew Stafford of the LA Rams. I mean, he's actually been doing very well, very, very well recently. He had four touchdowns this last weekend. Yes, he points, did. Right? So, I mean, he's got his full arsenal of uh, of key position players. He's got, you know, Cooper Cup. He's got Kyron Williams now, his running back, who's been playing very, very well this season. And then Puka Nakua, who came out of BYU, and he was filling in for Cooper Cup very, very nicely. So, he had his full arsenal. Tyler Higby got two touchdowns. I mean, yeah. so if you need a, a streaming play for this week because one of your quarterbacks is on a bye, those two guys, Jordan Love and Matthew Stafford, are, are the two top picks. Uh, running back. So I only have one name, and it's a name I've already brought up in the past. It's the uh, the Baltimore Ravens um, rookie uh, uh, running back, Keaton Mitchell. Uh, Keaton Mitchell is actually starting to get more playing time. He's getting more snaps. He's taking more snaps away from Gus Edwards. He's also taking more yeah. snaps away from Justin Hill. So now it's a running back by committee, whereas I think, you know, for me, I had Gus Edwards in one of my leagues, and that guy was uh, awesome for the three or four weeks. And then all of a sudden, this guy, Keaton Mitchell, is starting to take a lot of his touches. You know, now, you know, Gus Edwards is relegated to be like a more of like a, a, a goal line back now because he's a big dude. But anyway, Keaton Mitchell is, is a guy, they, 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 I think they really, really like him because he's fast. And you can't, you can't, you, you, you can't defend against fast. It's hard to defend, right? So that's why uh, 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 Keaton Mitchell is, is someone to look out for the running back. Um, as far as wide receivers, there's more uh, on this list, but I've already mentioned a few of these guys in the past. I mentioned Jaden Reed for the Green Bay Packers, so that's nothing new for you. Josh Downs is another one for the the, the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, he he had been hurt, but he just get, he's getting back and he's starting to score multiple uh, uh, double digits, gets double digit targets every week. And you know he's a, a rookie, but he's you know they're, they're a pass friendly offense. They're a very balanced team, the Indianapolis Colts offensively, even with Gardner Minshew. Um, you know, because they have Jonathan Taylor. Unfortunately, he's Jonathan hurt. hurt. I know he's hurt. Now you got Zach Moss. Look like I have Zach Moss. Um, so, but then you have uh, the Josh Josh Downs, and you also have Michael Pittman. So they have a good uh, 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 offensive uh, uh, players over in Indianapolis. So Josh Downs is one to target. Um, three other names I'll give you: Jalen Hyatt for the yeah. uh, New York Giants. Okay, believe it or not, Jalen Hyatt is the first wide receiver this season for New York Giants to get over a hundred yards. It took, yep. what, 12 weeks? You know, it just shows how, like, you know, future that offense really is. And But this guy, Danny, uh, not Danny DeVito, I almost said Danny DeVito, but uh, uh, Tommy DeVito is the quarterback. He's actually got some good report with the J- Jalen Hyatt. So, you know, they're NFL players. They're going to throw the ball. They, yep. If you need a wide receiver, Jalen Hyatt's got to, to target. Another guy that, to target is for the Arizona Cardinals is Greg Dortch. Um, you know, Kyler Murray distributes the ball uh, you know, to everybody, right? So, you know, uh, if you need a, a, a wide receiver, Greg Dortch, he's actually been uh, getting double-digit fantasy points in the last couple of weeks, so he's definitely someone to target. And another last guy is Demario, Demario Douglas of the New England Patriots. Now, the New England Patriots struggle, you know, because they they don't know if they're going to stick with Mac Jones, <laughs> or, right? Uh, or if right. they're going to go with, uh, 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 what, I forgot his name, he's got a weird name. But um, anyway, so the, the, the other guy, uh, uh, we don't know what quarterback, but they, they have to throw the ball. And, and this guy seems to be the guy that they're targeting uh, more and more now. So uh, definitely Demario Douglas is someone to target. And the last one, 
is the tight end position. There's two names that I'll put out there. Right. Pat Fryermuth for the Pittsburgh Steelers had an incredible game this last weekend. And it's no, no, no secret and no surprise that they changed their offensive coordinator. And all of a sudden, the, the, the tight end is now important again in, in Pittsburgh. And, and that was the big, big change that I saw this last week. So if you need a tight end for this week, Pat Freyermuth is someone that you should definitely target. And I got lucky because I picked him up last week. And he did oh, really, really well for me this week. Because so, I knew he was coming off of IR, right? So so that's the guy. And the last guy uh, is, is another uh, injury filling is Isaiah Likely of the Baltimore Ravens. You know Mark Mark okay. Andrews was lost last week right. uh, to uh, an ankle injury. We don't know how long he's going to be out. But Isaiah Likely is a very athletic tight end, just like Mark Andrews is. Probably a little bit more athletic. But, you know, he's still an unproven guy. But, you know, that that offense, center, you know, a lot of their, that offense centers around the tight end. And, and he's going to get touches. So Isaiah Likely is one to target. And that's it. All right. Eddie, what's your uh, fantasy uh, record? Your fantasy football, what place are you in rather this year, right now? I'm, I'm in uh, fourth in one league. I'm in third in another, and then I'm also in sixth in another. So I'm, I'm at a high winning record all, all across the board, but, you know, I'm, I'm probably And I wish behind. I could say that. I wish I could. I no. always went for big home run hitters. So my teams either were always were dominating or they were struggling because I, I would whiff on, on a player here or there. But uh, it is what it is. My friends, there you have it, Eddie, my cohort. Uh, you know, Eddie and I always shoot for an hour to do this show, and we seem to fail. But then again, we're always talking good stuff, and that's what it's about. Before we close it out, let me do the promotional messages that pays the bill. Actually, it's my money paying the bills, so I pay myself. How's that? Let me do the promotions that pay my bill. <laughs> All right. It, First of all, thank you for listening. We're going to come back. We're going to add more stuff uh, to this. We're still tweaking it. Uh, Eddie and I, we love our chemistry, and uh, it'll be another great show. But don't forget to check out grumblingsmedia.com where you can see this show, all our <coughs> all our past shows, as well as Fired Up, the political podcast, uh, uh, the Free For All, uh, the Libertarian podcast, A Big Question with Big John, uh, is your interview interview format show and my own and what, what's becoming one of my favorite shows too, the Red, White, and Rude Entertainment Pop Culture Podcast. You can check us out on Rumble and YouTube under the moniker Grumblings Grumblings Media. You can check us out on the traditional outlets Apple, Google, Spotify, and Pandora. And please share. And please follow wherever you frequent yourself on social media. We are there, too, under the Grumblings Media moniker. Eddie, thank you so much for being my co-host. And everybody, until next time, good night. Peace out. See you, Guillermo.